We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, the final new Pat Mayo Experience, like day of Pat Mayo Experience for quite some time. As as you are watching this, I am likely off on paternity leave starting as of today, so congratulations to me and my wife, who if she heard me say that, she'd be very upset with me, and she told me (laughs) on the altar if I had said, do you take my wife, uh, that she would say no and leave me standing there. Tim was there, so he would know that. Uh, But please, smash the like to the episode, and in your... in the comment section tell me who you think is gonna win colonial that'll be fun uh, good field for colonial by the way we'll get to that here in a little bit plus some nfl news some sporting news in general remember to subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast leave a five-star review DraftKings handle and something you enjoy about the pat mayo experience that will go a long way in helping everything out also share the show around i can never state that enough facebook twitter the TikToks, as tim would say these are all places where you can share the Pat Mayo experience. You, put it, you can't on TikTok, but just do it on Facebook and Twitter. That's probably good enough. Uh, and help increase the reach of the show, because here's what we got coming out for you uh, over the next 15, actually, three weeks to three and a half weeks. Jeff and I will return for Colonial, and I'll have a DFS preview, DraftKings preview for that week as well. There's a millionaire maker for the Colonial. This time around, the contest is already open, and because golf has not returned yet at FantasyNational.com, the premier stools stools tools and stats site on the internet for golf it's completely free until a t until a shot actually happens on the pga tour so if you're interested in playing in the millionaire maker and who wouldn't there's a million dollars for first prize up for grabs and you want to give yourself an edge i highly recommend going to fantasynational.com only an email address no credit card nothing like that just an email in order to access the site this is the only time we're ever going to run one of these promotions and make the site free so you might as well go test it out to see if it's something that you want to get into i know there's a lot of people going to be getting down on golf i even have a show coming out about the colonial tomorrow with ben ross 
Plaza and Rick Gaiman, where we kind of go over what's important of these stats when we first come back. How to use, you know, how to use contrarian play in a tournament where you know so many non-golf people are going to be playing with a million dollars up for grabs. I think it's going to be a good show. It's fun to talk golf with those guys, talk Tiger and all that fun stuff too. So just check all that out. There are five fantasy football shows coming out over the course of the next few weeks. I'm going to do a gigantic breakdown with Davis Maddock, an intro to fantasy football, how things are shaping up. Then me, Chris Meany, and Joe Pizapia have a four-part series, player-by-player profiles on running backs, where they're currently going, and who we like at the running back position this year and where you th- we think you should take them at least early on just to kind of give us a you, know, you want to get a refresher on a lot of these people plus you know we have cuss corners lined up i got some cool interviews paul and cody will have up-to-date ufc shows for every ufc card there's a ufc millionaire maker coming up soon so there's a lot going on plus we have the funniest movie bracket series coming out as well. Uh, that will drop periodically over the course of the next few weeks. So I recommend everyone go check this out. It's tons of content, more content than almost ever before. Because when the quarantine first started, uh, we thought we weren't going to be able to do shows. We banked a whole bunch of stuff, and then we didn't end up using it. And then I banked a whole bunch of stuff because I knew I was going to be away for having a new baby at home. Uh, so we have tons of content, uh, maybe more than ever before. So highly recommend everyone go check that out. Share the shows around. Give them all likes, all that fun stuff. Help up the show during this time and check out fantasynational.com enough of that jeff feinberg's on the line as is tim undergust tim undergust that is not my name did you know tim on youtube now <laughs> people will not be able to hear the tim undergust theme song if they are listening to the audio version of this show they will still be able to hear the tim undergust theme song but Due to copyright, they finally caught up to me, Tim. It was Although a good it, run. It was, it was, a, good it was run. a good eight-year run for the Tim Andercast theme song <laughs> on YouTube. Although, I do know it specifically it's not against the copyright rules because a there's no monetization on these episodes and b i don't use enough of the song for it to actually qualify but the youtube algorithm is all out of control so it pings it anyway even if it hears one note of anything like that so it's best in order to have these videos not taken down uh, to not use it in the video version anymore i'm devastated by this i mean obviously what we need to do is run a competition so give tim a new theme song we need to run an open competition and then give some big prize to the winner. We could even have a show. Oh, you're, what, are you sitting here giving away my money, Tim? No, but we could have them on as a guest during one of the football shows. Oh, oh so, so na- na- now you're just giving away things and you're trying to produce my show? No, How no, dare I'm you? Not, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but like we can have a show where like the final 10 songs are there when we discuss amongst them and pick, pick, pick them or put them up to a I button. don't think you should get American to pick it, though. Style. Yeah, Tim, uh, I, I don't think that Tim gets a vote in his new theme song. No, maybe, but maybe. I, we can discuss it. And then whoever song we pick, like week six NFL spreads, like they can come on and pick the spreads with us. That's not That's a ter- the- that, that is not a terrible idea. I will give you that. So, yeah, if you are a musician out there, you have a, uh, a keen sense of garage band, maybe you can come up with a new Tim Andercast theme song. Original music. Yeah, and I will buy it off of you for a very, very, very low price. Yeah, for, for an appearance on the week six show. Yeah, Tim's you can pick the spreads with Pick the spreads with us. Exactly. It'll be fun. Oh, Tim. Um, Jeff, the real I just, fans, Tim that's is glad. Tim is people care about. Tim is angling to get someone to like glad hand him like a top <laughs> cat, like sweet yeah, vibe. Not- uh, We're not for giving him, Tim but, a vote here, are we? Yeah, no. Tim doesn't no, get a. Tim, Tim does not get a vote in any of this. So, 
Yeah, an appearance on the show along with us, maybe to pick the spreads. Maybe we will do a show where we get enough submissions for the new theme song that we can pick one for Tim. I would like, even if you just want to do a knockoff of Tim's old one so we don't get copyright infringement, I'm all for that. Um, and it'll replace that Custy show because there wasn't enough interest in it to, to have it this year. Uh, that Now, that will definitely be coming back. We're just, As Paul and I discussed, we were going to film that during the quarantine, but that is one where we need to have people in studio. I don't, I don't know why. Jeff. You, you have so much content. Like, you probably don't even have to air that like inside baseball like show we did right that golf show i i was gonna air i was actually gonna air that this week but where there's like interest in colonial now the thing that i shot with rick and ben i'm gonna air on the tomorrow i was initially gonna air our show oh, so that tomorrow. took the spot yeah took probably the sp- a good idea. i told you the colonial would be <laughs> you, you were, wouldn't you know, listen to me we knew it was gonna well, i told you it was gonna be major level uh it's a really good field you guys it's wanna... got a million maker. Tell it's all you need to know. Uh, Tim, Tim, yeah. Tim, it could have been a corn fairy tour event with like Rory McElroy playing in it, and there would have been. A, there's but a millionaire. Is. There's a millionaire maker for NASCAR this weekend. I don't even know what race it is. It's the first That's race crazy. back. The so the ratings for the Colonial will be through the roof. Highest ratings of any golf tournament this year, probably. So uh, why all? I don't know. Yeah, probably will be. They 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 very well could be. Although if the PGA Championship is airing and there's still no sports back, then it's going to be the PGA Championship. That would be sure. the only one that has a chance. You're right. Fair uh, enough. Uh, Ma- I mean, the Masters always rates the best of anything too. Yeah, and, not and, a, not against the NFL. That, it's but it's not going against the NFL. What's well, going to go against the two o'clock games? It, the right. very end of it two may. O'clock. The very end of it may go against. And they the NFL scheduled like the main game being Browns Texans. Fair enough. But but, mo- like, but most of they've scheduled the Masters Sunday to be in the morning before football starts, and no Chargers game so that the fans could watch the Masters. So that's really what there's no Cowboys game. I guess would be the the actual team. You would think there'd be no Falcons game, given that it's in Georgia. There is no Falcons game. There you go. I saw it's the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Falcons, and the Cowboys, and then you have your are the bye teams, and then you have your you know three games in prime time. Uh, I'm sidetracking us here. My my point is. Well, my only point was I just wanted a little bit of credit for calling the Colonial as big as it is. Yeah, but, I don't know. I think Pat just, yeah, he got a little ticked at that comic. I think it was more like you didn't really know what you were talking. You were mistaking events with the field, but all, we is obviously going to be a big field. And obviously Pat's going to break it down tomorrow with some of the guys. The only question I'm going to ask you, Pat, when do you think the odds board comes out? This is one of the discussions that we had because you have Rory, Brooks, Rom, Bryson, and Dustin all in the field. I am. They I'm only not... need a committed field to post something, though. Yeah. Oh, when do you think that the odds are actually going to drop? Yeah. Like, when will the books give us a board because it's going to be this like nothing before it? I don't know. To tell you the truth, um... it's what the eleventh. Yeah, it's the 11th. I'd say by June 2nd, we'll have it. Yeah, I was going to say by June. So, yeah, we're going to have a Wait, know, but with, with with those players in the field that I just kind of pointed out, like, who do you like? Rory's going to be the favorite. What do you think his odds are going to be? I don't know. I, it, I don't really I could go on and you're doing a whole show. I'll just say it's a weird dynamic. I think you uh, 
I'll be entering with limited exposure and betting some good value guys. I think like give I'm me like a Patrick Reed at like forty to one. Patrick Ford seemed to do. I had this new strategy for betting golf that was working, and then the coronavirus stopped it because it was working so well. What was and it? Now I can what, go what, back what, can you please explain betting your betting third and four, betting third round leaders? And how many right. of those? How many of those did you? Hit? I won a couple times. I won a couple times. You know I what? Never hit golf winners. I you, hit two winners. Can you, I, you hit two I, winners at minus money after three no, rounds. No, one was plus like 110 and the other was minus, but whatever, I got winners. <laughs> Tim, All that matters is winning. You just reminded me about something. I wasn't mad until you said that, that you want to take credit for that. Here Pat is with back-to-back M and Hatton winners. I think I pulled a hat trick in you, a row you with, did. with Reed, M and Hatton, and I had a Leishman win at Torrey Pines. I had four wins going into this part of the season. So they want to talk about like who this layoff hurt? You man, <laughs> fuck. And we know that Cantley was going to win the Players Championship. We knew that. <laughs> He'd already had one good round. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, just what a kick in the nut! No, Hideki like shot the sixty or, or something crazy, right? To yeah, open that yeah, we, yeah. Hideki yeah, would have won that probably going away. Uh, no, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> It was already over. People, well, no, Hideki's one of the best players in the world. When you get out to a lead like that, you very on such an easy. Oh, okay. So I, 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 I would, I would like to know the numbers on that, Tim. Uh, when world class players have a first round lead, how often do you think they? How many wire to wire winners? Do when you they think shoot sixty three. How often do? You, how often do you think you see wire to wire winners on the PGA Tour? Honestly, after they shoot a sixty three on the Thursday, I don't know. Probably a significant amount of the time It's not. I bet you would hit. Oh, you okay? Well, how much would you like to bet? And what I don't would know. You, I'd have to. I'd have to. Research. No, well, no, no, no. Why would you have to research it when you're when you're so confident in this right now? Well, I don't have the evidence in front of me. Yeah, because you're wrong. wrong. But my point is, on such a dinky, stupid, fake track like oh. Sawgrass, it's not that hard. To you don't even up. have to talk about that place till next year. Don't don't get yourself worked up about it today. But Pat was about to say something about Patrick Reed, and I think one of us cut him off. Or I, I mentioned like guys like that who all look to to pick. But. Yeah, he uh, he's just not going to be forty to one. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't. I have no. I, I was just a silly example, but he was forty to one, like in the early season events, and like we knew he's better than that. Like I'm just coming out of the gate. I'm gonna look for maybe just some value. I, I you can't play the top. I don't know what guys have been doing. Yeah, that's it's gonna... so weird. This is different than like starting in in this January. It's different. It this is almost like brand new to to them and to us. I mean, it's silly to put us in that group, but people here to see what our takes will be on the tournament. This whole dynamic of of the layoff is totally new. I got no rhyme or reason for anything other than I really want to get on Bryson instantly. Me too. I think like Bryson, M, InstaBets, if the price is right, like anything, if Bryson's even 18, 20, something like that on him, M will probably be like 22 to 30, bet him and bet like, Russell Knox, who kills Colonial. Or, and Ryan Palmer was the other one that I kind of picked out. Yeah, I like it. All right. I mean, I can't wait to listen to that show. All right. So let's talk about this labor strife that's going on. Not only, like, this is going to be a pretty general all-across sports show, so you can even bring up the NHL as you wanted to, Jeff, at some point. But Blake Snell goes on, says he doesn't want to play for the reduced pay. Bauer comes out against it. Like, the way that I, – I don't even know if I have all the information. Uh, Jeff, I know this is something you kind of dig down on a lot, but it – so what happened is the players agreed to the pay cut and now the owners want them to take another pay cut. Is this, that, that's like the bare bones of it, right? Yeah. Essentially they originally agreed that they would just get paid pro rated. 
So if they play 82 games, you know, you still make what you make, but on a prorated uh, base. Now the owners want to cut into that prorated uh, base, as you heard, you know, some of the players complaining about. And then you mentioned the taxes and everyone else that gets a cut. And a lot of guys are are turning their noses up at it. And I don't blame them. They just should shut up during this process. I mean, if they just sit there and take it, then they're not going to get, they have to speak out against this stuff. If they, if they're, no, I, if they I, truly want to keep the money that they've signed on to get and not get taken advantage of, they need to go speak up about it. I agree. But, but baseball, they historically have a very strong union and I don't think they need to speak up publicly though. Cause it makes them look like now, you know, you see Manfred doing these interviews like ownership is experts at just keeping your mouth shut and the public, you know, will sort of this public war that the players lost the first inning of or the second, third inning. I don't know where you say we are. I, That's all I'm saying. I, I don't know. But so I, the thing is, I don't understand how the players are. I don't see anyone who like they see like Bauer and Snell or whoever make these comments and the public decides that the players are the bad guys. I, I don't understand that leap in logic. Well, when they're talking about tax bracket, it's just an insensitive time. And and the owners are just going to shut up and they'll try to do it their best way behind closed doors. I'm not saying what B- Snell said is wrong or what Bryce Harper, what anyone is saying is wrong. They have every right about safety and money and everything matters. But historically, we've just seen that um, ownership can play the PR game so much better. And now in the social media time and in this time of a pandemic where everything is like being amplified uh this is just a roller coaster it's going to change every day what the season might be what the parameters might be so to like go off and and it's almost unfair to these players you got them playing twitch like you know we were laughing when we'd catch bryson and and you know ep golf would would post those funny things like it's such a harmless environment the guy's playing video games like eating gummy bears like you know, he's shooting off the hip a bit and everyone's overreacting to it. And I think that's all. The owners are just going to be better at this PR game that's going to be amplified so much more. Be just like, you know, the nightly news is amplified so much more. Like we're, we're just in on every little little morsel of information and anything. And, and you know, that's all. That's all. So I, the players, I don't think they're wrong, but they're not good at shutting up like 30 owners are. And that's not fair because it's 700 versus 30. So, so one of the one of the other things that I've noticed, too, is that a lot of people uh, almost the stance that like I agree with the players on this one. And it does seem like a lot of people who have the same stance as I do are creating like straw men on the other side being like, well, I can't believe that people disagree with the players. I've even just kind of said that about two minutes ago, that it is a bit of a straw man argument because most of the people that I I converse with at least, or at least the public opinions of baseball writers, that kind of thing, are on the sides of the players. But then you just kind of wade past that in the water just a little bit to see some like fan reactions, and they are like legit triggered at the players. The main thing, Tim, being is is that people will say, "Well, I would play in." the major leagues for $4 million. How dare they? It's like, well, no one's fucking paying you $4 million to play in the major leagues. Well, I guess. Yeah. So I, I mean, I obviously sympathize with the, with uh, the player's position where I play or I feel the exact same way, but here's the deal, whether players get paid the right amount or not the right amount, that doesn't affect the fan in the least. They're not getting a cent of that money anyway. 
the fan has one interest, which is to see games being played. So to them, anything that would prevent games being played uh, is the only injury they can suffer. Oh, well, players take 30% of their salary versus 50. You know, intellectually, we all agree the players are, are getting a raw deal. But in my immediate personal life, the hell do I care if somebody's making $5 million or $3 million? All I care about is, is their baseball to watch. And baseball has this history in American life going right back to, you know, the Depression, right? And Judge Landis wrote that letter to President Roosevelt, and Roosevelt wrote it back to Judge Landis saying, yeah, baseball should definitely be being played during the war because it'll lift people's spirits and it means something uh, tangible. So, yeah. There's I another mean, history, too, though, about I, money as well. Yeah, of course it is. Are, are, the players should get prorated salaries. I agree with that. Completely agree with that. You play 82 games, you get half your salary. You'd have to be foolish not to agree with that proposition. But as a fan, I don't get a cent more in my pocket whether you make $4 million or $5 million. What, what do I care? How does that materially change my life? What changes my life is whether after a long and stressful day, I can watch a baseball game or cannot watch a baseball game. So that's where that anxiety is coming from. It's not from like, a, oh, I'd play this for free. I mean, there are some people out there with that view but i don't think that's the, the driving force the driving force is i need this sport in my life because it means something to me and i don't care what it takes for it to get on the field for me sure but then you're siding with the people like if they're they're not even quibbling like this is millions of dollars at stake for these players and they've already agreed to the pro-rated salary structure now to take another chunk out of that after they've agreed to something you're siding with people who are worth billions of dollars is essentially I agree what you're with you, they, but they, I think the average they, fan isn't siding with anybody because they have no stake in this. Sure, in this but but what like even something like Bauer said, like release the financials. Then, like if, if you can make a compelling sure. financial case of why you can't pay us this money, we are willing to listen. But they won't well, do I it. Gotta, I, agree, I agree with all of that. Well, I'm this is the other biggest part. You work for fifteen dollars an hour in Jefferson City, Missouri. What do you care? about the ultimate result resolution of how money gets divvied up. You don't care because that is not a cent in your pocket one way or the other. The only, the only skin you have in the game is whether there's baseball on. Everything else is a game being played between millionaires and billionaires, and who do I care who wins that Jenga fight? There is strong sentiment about people that have followed, you know, baseball, the PA, and the MLB, you know, their union battles closely – and that's why, you know, for them to be put in this weird time constraint now is like really under a microscope because they do these things over the course of years. But people would consider it a win if the as long as the players get to see those bucks, because the, the MLB owners over hell or high water have never in a million years over anything allowed their the players to see the books like in the other sports where there are much more significant revenue sharing agreements. Uh, the books are open. The players see them every year. And the salary cap in many cases is determined because of it. Uh, that is not the case in Major League Baseball. Those books have been under lock and key um, forever. And I, I mean, that's arguably, I, I want baseball back. But outside baseball being back, I am hyper curious to see if the owners will actually allow their books to be open uh now because that yeah that's that that's an incredible side plot to the history of this union that is now playing out on a fast forwarded pace i, I thought like one of the interesting counter arguments just because it seems really ludicrous is it's the same 
thing that people always make for why teachers like how can a teacher get paid fifty thousand dollars a year but this guy throwing a baseball gets paid ten million dollars a year now people are making that with like frontline healthcare workers i don't think anyone thinks that frontline workers are being paid enough but this is what they get paid and this is a part of their job to go do in fact a lot of like even a lot of them up here have you know, seen increases because it's dangerous, far more dangerous to be working now on the front line, being in hospitals than it had been. But they're like, well, these people are out there working. The baseball players can't go out and play. It's like, well, they don't have to go play. That not that kind of the thing, Tim? Yeah, like, no, sure. I like, mean, why, why do they have to go back out onto the field? It's not an essential service. Yes, well, people, Bryce Harper pe- doesn't. Yeah, people, no, they don't have. They don't have to. Of course, I, I, I agree with with all of that. But would we be would 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 the country be happier if Braves games were on Saturdays sure. or not? The answer is yes. Now, like that's the problem is there's no tangible like money or physical profit from that. But like there is an emotional and a sort of a national spiritual benefit from it. But no, they don't have to. They make enough money that they don't have to do these. That's the way markets work. Uh, that, that that's why people get paid what they paid and not what they what they're what they not what they're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I. So what happens if baseball comes side. back, and you don't want Bre- and Bryce Harper and like some superstars say I'm not playing? Like I got a three hundred million dollars. Well, if you're the Nationals, you're delighted because as soon as you got him out of the clubhouse, you won the World Series. Ha ha. No, I'm just saying, like <laughs> this little war within the war of once it's settled, like some guys will feel like no, the risks are too high. It's not really worth it. For They'll me. take a hit in the press. They'll take a hit from the from the fans. Now, maybe they don't care because they don't need to care because they make a lot of money. But if you think that they aren't going to take some heat over it, they definitely are because the average fan, again, like is self-interested. And their self-interest is, I want baseball. I want the best players to play. I'm a Royals fan. I'm a Giants fan, whatever. I want to watch my team. That's will lift my spirits. And if some, which he is, a multimillionaire, decides it's not important enough for him to go, I mean, I'm, you can't force him. But if you don't think people will be resentful, then you don't understand human nature. Yeah, well, if they sit out, they're not going to get paid at all. So it would be a sure. somewhat somewhat of a principled stance and to do that, sure. sit out and not take any of the money. Then you can find then you see that, well, it was about the money. It was also part of not being exploited at the same time. Like it's no different. It's just on a completely different scale of a lot of the people that are complaining. Let's say they make twenty dollars an hour at whatever job they have. Let's say they're a clerk somewhere at a place that has stayed open but sees very few customers. And then the boss comes in and be like, you know what? You're going to do the same job. Uh, we agree because of the pandemic, you know, we're not going to be open as much. You're going to get paid $15 an hour. And you're like, yep, that's fine because of the lower business. I get it. Uh, and then like two weeks later, he comes in. Yeah, I'm going to pay you $8 an hour now. Like eventually you have to say fucking stop this. I agree with all of that. A hundred percent. I'm just saying people who are making millions and millions of dollars do not generate that empathy as much as I agree with your position. And as much as I agree with a player standing up for himself, because he needs to someone making $20 an hour cannot put themselves in the shoes of that millionaire and feel some pang of sympathy for them that they're making 4 million instead of 12 million. I'm sorry. They're, they're just not able to do that because the material lives they live are so different that they just don't engender that sympathy. I well, they love telling rich people how to spend their money. Sure, because what is it? You know, the, one of my most favorite lines about American culture is from John Steinbeck: "There are no poor Americans, just temporarily embarrassed millionaires." Huh. Everyone thinks they could be or will be a millionaire one day, so they are quite interested in what millionaires are doing and don't have a lot of sympathy for the people who got there first. 
I get that. I, I get the optics are going to be bad for the players because they're the visible faces. That's one of the good things that the, or one of the smart things at least that the owners have done for themselves. Like Jeff has said, like they remain silent. They don't remain visible. You can be mad at a name, but most people don't even know what these people look like. So it's hard Manfred to get too on. upset with them. <laughs> Although, I don't know. If you live in Philadelphia, you know what every member of the Phillies looks like if you're a Phillies fan. No, you, I mean, I, 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 I'm talking about, I mean, do you really think that everyone in San Diego knows what all the Padres look like? I'm talking, you're about, I'm ta- I'm talking about I'm talking about the, the owner. Yeah. I am talking about that there is no visibility for the owners in any of this. People know, oh, I agree. People know the big name players. They know what they look like. They can match a face to a name and be mad at that person. Like, I guess baseball's very lucky. Marge shot is not in charge of the Manfred rig. was on um, Anderson Cooper. I think like the night after the Snell thing and sort of, it was kind of, you know, made the basis of my point. He was just seeing like, so empathetic to the fan, like make it like, we're going to do everything. Can you I get can. closer. Jeff, stop. Can you get closer to your microphone? Cause you sound like you're really far away again. You're bad at microphone, wanna... bad at microphone, Jeff Feinberg. I tried to just put it down instead of uh, doing something, but yeah. What do you mean put it away? What are you, are you on the other side of the room just yelling? No, I just had like a great rig and it kind of like came undone. Yeah, this, like, set, this sounds right much now. better. I can hear you again. Yeah, this was how I had it before. My rig. We talk about how good I am at microphones. You, you want to get credit? We got you a microphone. You hooked it up all by yourself. And ever since you have sounded perfect. I Ultimate credit for you on that one. Hooray. Anyhow, uh, so Manfred on on Anderson Cooper, and I gave him like a nine out of ten, like just playing the game of because they're smart enough to know how this is gonna play out. And like I said before, this is roller coasters. How long the season's gonna be? What they're gonna agree to? Uh, one day it feels like we're gonna get it. The next day it feels like we're not gonna get it. It's a roller coaster of emotions for the fans uh, as well, and and the news. So you know. We're here. Uh, a- anything more on baseball between you two guys? We're going to try to go, go go around the sports here and just kind of talk about each one a little bit. So we've done PGA. We've done MLB. I'm not – like, Tim, you're a baseball purist. If someone wins the World Series in an 81-game schedule, are they even really the World Series champion? I mean, yes. If it's awarded by Major League Baseball, you're the World Series champion. Well, you're asking me, will fans look at it the exact same way as every other? Some will, some won't. I don't know. I mean, I'm distressed this at the idea of, of splitting up the league. If the leagues are separated for one full season and like you're playing against teams you shouldn't play against and the rules have been changed. Like, yes, it counts, but it's also kind of different from everything else. And we'd be dumb to pretend it wasn't, but I want baseball back and I am willing to hold my nose with a lot of stuff in order to get that uh, to happen. And I'm not in the business of, you know, belittling to, I mean, in 1981, they had, know two separate seasons and they gave divisional champion uh, awards and they had extra rounds of playoffs uh the 81 dodgers aren't less world series champions because that happened like it counts so you know you have to be flexible but there's of course a limit to that flexibility before it just becomes foolish it'd be like restarting an nba season in october that stopped in march and pretending that 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 season has anything to do with the other. Like the, people used to freak out when the national championship game for football was five weeks after the season ended. Like imagine seven months. Like at, at that point, it sort of strains credulity. What do you think about like in the terms of college football actually coming back? Because it seems like the SEC, the presidents voted on bringing the students back like immediately, yeah, and then Dabo Sweeney was like, "This is ridiculous." Like just well, Dabo's not in the SEC. 
Uh, sorry, that's correct. Um, but he had come after the SEC voted on it. Dabo came out and talked about like bringing people back soon. It's like this is ludicrous. Like we don't need to be back in June when there's no school going on for one thing. Like what are you people talking about? Yeah, I agree. But universities such as Auburn and Alabama and Mississippi need football money so very badly for those institutions to be able to do the other non-football research that they do that it is an incredibly bitter pill for them to even consider not asking for that uh, that revenue. So I get and particularly in some places in the south it's it's a it's not just a, it's just not not just sports. It's like hockey is to Canadians maybe even even more intensely. Like it is a part of their national fabric. So yeah, the Big 12 and the SEC I think we will have to wild horses will have to pull them away from playing college football. The Pac-12, the S, the ACC, maybe parts of the Big Ten, less likely. I don't honestly. I think it'll be a conference by conference thing, or if you're an independent, whether you want to play. Well, what, what do you, you can't wait? You love Notre Dame. Do you think Notre Dame gets this up and running? Uh, not without massive schedule changes. Are they really going to play at the Coliseum this year? Maybe. Well, well it Maybe seems. Not. Well, I think Alabama canceled their game against USC. Like, no, in fact, USC immediately came out and said, "No, we haven't canceled that game yet. We haven't canceled it. That's a rumor." Now, will that happen? We don't know. Maybe USC will have to train and work out of Arizona. We, we don't know. Same with UCLA. Same with uh, Cal. I, I, All these things yet. are going to depend on, like, if the Yankees are playing the Dodgers in in whatever eighty game season World Series, no one's going to want to put an asterisk beside it. If it's the White Sox versus the Rockies, people are going to frame it differently. That's, I agree. That's 100% what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm ready. If they want to play a game down the street, guys, and they're going to let 22,000 into the dome, I'll be there. I think. I think. Maybe not the first one. Well, do you think I that would go. One, one, one of the hardest things is going to be for college football especially, and even if it is like all SEC schools, and maybe that's what the season is for them. Maybe they just play – they play all the other SEC schools once and they'll determine their like, winner Like that it way. used to be. Throw yes, them back the clock the way, the way I used to like things. And you might and even get that in – you, you, you might even get that in baseball too where like the American League just plays the American League or maybe they have to restructure it where all the East Coast play, teams play the East Coast teams and all the West Coast teams play the West Coast teams just to make travel a bit more limited. Yeah. Maybe that's the way – that we have to go about this if they actually do because the, the hardest thing is going to be because we're seeing this with like the Bundesliga where if someone tests positive on a team like that team forfeits games for two weeks like they don't want that yeah, that's we'll see if that actually comes to pass I mean same with the UFC or baseball talked about it too like if one person gets sick we're just going to quarantine that person and anyone else who tests positive yeah but, that, but, not, but that's so allow but that's happen. so much easier to do in an individual sport like UFC or golf but, or NASCAR that you can, that you can, yeah, but I, the baseball can say whatever they want. These people are around all of the other people. <laughs> I know. And, and very well, they'll, they'll get certain people sick, but they won't get everybody sick. And baseball is just because if your position is, if one person catches coronavirus, the whole team is quarantined for two weeks, then you can never restart the season, right? If that is your parameters, if those are the rules, you basically can't restart anything because you're going to end up having to shut down. It's an inevitability. So you like, as much as, you know, maybe epidemiologically, that's the way to go. You can't have that position and have the sports come back. So you can't have that position. If you're the MLB, you just can't. 
that's, that's going to be tough to sell to people. Very like, tough. In, unless you have all of the tests that you need. However, it worked with UFC, which is why UFC and golf yeah, are sort of like the guinea pigs. If I, this works. I, yeah, but, but, that's a to- but I, I do feel like that is a totally separate situation. People can look at them because sports are sports. I think what happens over in Germany, and when you see these like larger team sports open up, is far more impactful on what's going to happen over here in terms of team sports because UFC and golf and NASCAR, like I said, you can bring tennis back too if you wanted. That's one person. It is an individual sport. You don't golf. Yes, you're around the other people, but you're not really around the other people with UFC. Like besides the weigh-ins, you're not around your opponent until you're in the fucking ring. So yeah, it's definitely not a one-to-one translation. I, so, I, so I, I don't see. I, I don't think that one has anything to do with the other. To be perfectly, well, honest. I think the, only, the only thing that it does is gauge the optics of what happens if someone tests test positive. So that's what I was about to say. And and, and the and the UFC has cleared that hurdle. They've shown yeah. that someone can test positive. They can remove them. They can bring someone else in. And as it turns out, no one gives a shit. Pat. Yeah. Yes. I had to sign my life away yesterday digitally, essentially. Uh, to be able to golf at my club they sent out a thing yesterday they sent out a form uh you know i yeah in order to even be eligible to get a tea time you have to um fill out the form uh, agree to the terms and conditions and by by lack of a better way of explaining it i think we all signed our life away people like, we pe- cannot people always, people hold always... them resp- responsible pe- at all if it, you uh acquire the sucker People always say that about real-world contracts. Uh, like when you go in with MTV, that once you sign on the dotted line, essentially your entire life is signed away, no matter what happens to you. Paul, yes. If he's looking for a uh, somebody to tee it up and sign their life away as well. Um, Talk I'll be, to Paul. I, I'm not going to be very, very busy the next three weeks with uh, Pat on paternity leave, so yeah, I'm hitting the links tomorrow. Unfortunately. I'll, I'll play golf. Jet Paul's no, not Jewish, I'll so he can't play. There. I'll get out there anyway. <laughs> At this place, though, uh, in the new COVID rules, it, under phase one, there's there's no guests allowed. That's fair. Yeah, I don't think that's going to last long. I mean, I was one thing is that golf has been like the game of golf, not the sport like the PGA. The game of golf has been struggling the last ten years with a, a significant reduction of members and younger players. And in a world where team and organized sports and summer camps are probably done for one year. There is no activity other than maybe tennis that has an opportunity to sort of ignite a passion for the game in a generation of people that might never have really glommed onto it the way that golf is going to have. There are going to be people who golf this year who would have gone to summer camp or would golf this year instead of playing softball or baseball or basketball. And I think not only will that be good for memberships in the short term, I think this will be one of those silver linings to a terribly dark cloud that it will illuminate in people a love of golf that they would never otherwise have had. Well, that kind of works one of two ways, golf courses and clubs anyway. Like Jeff just said, at least phase one, they're not letting any new people in. So that's going to be tough. They're going to not true here. They're going to limit. Hold the, on, though. Let's, can let's you, just please just let me, that, Can you just please let me finish? It's a private club. Like, I, I, yeah. I, could you, if I finish my point, maybe I'll have cleared some of this stuff up. Will that be okay? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we're going to have places where even at your place, Jeff, a private club that you can't bring in outside guests. I'm 
pretty confident that we're going to see at most private clubs, like even if you're playing, I don't even know if they're going to allow foursomes to play. You're going to have one person per cart. You might not have all the facilities uh, open to everyone. So it's going to be limited on that basis, at least initially. What Tim is saying, at least publicly in a lot of these places, is that you're going to have more like Tim. Do they have any restrictions on how many people you can play with at some of the public courses you're talking about? At least not the ones I've, t- I've been looking at. No, uh, there are the restrictions of one to a cart. Uh, no sand trap rakes, uh, don't touch the flag or the hole, but, uh, and, you know, facilities are, are, are pared down and try to pay in advance, but, uh, no, it's all, it's all, you know, I don't even think they've even extended much of the tea times. It's like, go, go out and play, stay six feet apart. So we have that, but if it's going to be one person to a cart, most of these places do not have the proper equipment to facilitate everyone with one cart per person. They just don't have that many carts uh, to begin with to give one per person. So a lot of people are going to have to walk, which is great. More people probably should be walking. Use the push carts. Make sure that everything is sanitized down and good to go just so we don't have to repeal back from this. But what you have to look for now is the golf courses are an at an excellent opportunity to gouge anyone who wants to play. They have to resist that urge because that's just going to push people away who you're going to have this thing, like you said, Tim, where people will want to play golf who may have never got into the golf, into golf, and maybe they'll bring their kids or whatever like that. But if they either jack up the prices or don't make it easy for people to go play golf, they're not going to get any of those people. And that has always been golf's biggest problem. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, there's been no price hikes at all. Prices were sort of set sort of almost before COVID sort of came into, into reality. So there's sort of, in many ways, clubs are committed to the prices they would have agreed at at an AGM well, in late February. Yeah, uh, not, not really. I no, no, I completely disagree too. Like memberships are going to be one thing. And I like, Jeff, have you got any reimbursement of your membership for this year? Like prorated because you weren't allowed to play for the first two months? No, no chance. Yeah, that's not going to happen for private clubs. They're going to continue to charge what they have. But these, yeah. pub- if these public places, like let's say you go to the course, whatever course you go play at, and it's, I don't know, 50 bucks to play today, if they're sold out every single day, that price is going up to like 85 next week, and they're going to continue to gauge it like that. I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, that would make, you know, in, in, in a sense of just, uh, you know, we're automatons running an economic, uh, you know, and you had a bunch of accountants deciding, probably. I don't know. I, I think that there's enough golf people who see the opportunity here that not cut off their nose despite their face. Uh, the greed is too much. People are inherently greedy. And if they see a model where they can continue to rake and rake money, because they've just lost a whole bunch of money by not being open, that maybe that they, if they jack up the prices, they can recoup a little bit of that. Like, isn't that how this is going to work, Jeff? If the T-sheet stays full when they make it $15 more ahead, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. They'll try it. So you're absolutely right. I do agree with Tim, though. The premise of what he's saying, I've had some Twitter threads about this for the last couple of weeks. I think this is a good opportunity for the sport. You mentioned new people. I'm worried about my concern is like Miss Mandelbaum, who hasn't hit a ball in 14 <laughs> years, is now dusting off her clubs. And I'm waiting on the tee box as Miss Mandelbaum is hitting nine. Yeah, there should be some sort of there should be some sort of like provision, like house rules, club rules where like, look, you can't look for your ball in the woods for more than two minutes. Like if you don't find it right away, you got to take a drop. But I just mean to that point, as much as I'm like making a joke, I do believe someone who might have tried the game or used to play is now like going to get back into it as long as they didn't have a horrible experience, because 
again, I mean, you know, you got, it's hard, but if you're up there, if you don't got kids in the house or, or you, you, you can find the afternoon under these trying times, I'm a golf guy. So this comes with a bias and people could raise their nose at it that, that can't stand the game. But is there a better way to spend like four and a half hours right now? Like to just kill the day? Well, oh my God. But, but you're right, Pat, the, 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 the tee sheets are, they're more spread out. I think it's like 14 minute gaps and threesomes. And the only way you can cart together is if you live together. And in the UK, apparently the only way you can golf together is if you live together. And people are joking with me in my feed that them and a couple buddies are, you know, go give a couple, give a light smooch at the starter box. <laughs> Well, if that's what it takes to be able to play St. Andrews, I suppose. It's going to be, I, I'm very curious to see how it is. And like, I yes, am too. I play tomorrow for the first time and I'm looking forward to seeing what this experience is like. Where are you playing? Uh, a place not too far away from here, uh, about 35 minutes away. You're playing at Oakfield? No, I wish I were, but no, I'm not. Where, where are you playing? It's a place called River Oaks. Isn't River Oaks like nice? It's a perfectly fine course. Uh, it's not a high-end course, but it's a really nice course. Uh, the last time I played there several years ago with a good friend of ours who had the best nine of his life. I think he came off at like 34, 33, and I mentioned to him that that was the best nine of golf I'd ever what seen. And he 70? Took, <laughs> he took an 11 on the next hole. Of course he did. And he never let me live it down. He yells at me every time. Well, That's I, his fault. Yeah, no, that's Tim's. Uh, come on, come on. on. That's you told him his score? Yeah, I was keeping. I usually do the. Oh no! And I was. Sorry, I thought numbers. he was on the team. I was adding his numbers, and I said, "Oh my God, butts! You shot like thirty-three on the front. Uh, this is the best round you've ever shot in your life." Uh, just because I was, I was hyped for him, and yeah, he took like an eleven tenth hole. Yeah, that's he, your fault. And he wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the round because yeah, that's yeah, no, no. You just don't want to be the guy that's like, oh my God, if, if I like, you know, shoot nine on the last two holes, I'll break my pb um but yeah no you got to keep your mouth shut tim well he did i don't take any responsibility i'm not the one who wasn't hitting the shots no, maybe sometimes you should take responsibility be be a new look for you i'm, anyway, excited I'm looking to walk forward to, to it i got my clubs washed yesterday got my hat out got my gloves ready God. i'm looking forward to hitting the links tomorrow uh in style i'm excited to walk well, you, you I'm excited to walk. You mentioned like what could you do better for like which how would you rather spend four four and a half hours like in general and even right now like it, golf is basically the only thing that you can go do where you can spend four hours doing something. You can paddle, uh, canoe stuff like that. Like you could fish, you could hunt. But that Pat, that's also like people are gonna play. Like golf has this pace of play thing that's already an issue. Now I feel like because life is at this like malaise, people are going to treat like their day at the golf course maybe in this malaise. Like I understand there's no rush. I want you to do what they do, play respect the rules, but don't take your like I got zero to go home to attitude to like how your pace, if that makes any sense. And I feel like that's going to be a pandemic on the course. Yeah, that, that's the course pandemic. You got to watch out for that. Oh, uh, what the, are, the, the JB Holmesing of the average course? Yeah, what are they, yeah. Jeff? What are they doing with the clubhouse and the driving range and everything Can't, like that? Um, no clubhouse. So you're pretty much only allowed on the premises like a half hour before your tea time. You're not allowed in the clubhouse. I guess the range is open to you if you have a tea time within the half hour. Um, 
and yeah you're not really you're not really encouraged to yeah be any be anywhere um, like, can you buy food at the course like is the no they've even said like bring your own like kind of bring bring your bring your own this is like one washroom will uh, yeah they're encouraging bring your own which is another part of like the golf industry um at least like on a public course level like their beverage sales might not be what they're accustomed to these courses are going to make every dollar back somehow. So I do worry that the opportunity to like take your son and introduce him to the game um, might not be as possible because you can't even like get to the range. Like even a, a range session could cost you a fortune now. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that where they're going to save a ton of money is sexual harassment lawsuits from the cart girls <laughs> onto the club. <laughs> the other thing is, I mean, I, I can't speak to Toronto. I don't know. But around here anyway, most golf courses are like, even on nice Saturdays, are no more than like 60 to 70% full. So if they're 80 or 90% full, the money they're making from green fees will defray the cost. They're lo- losing on beverages in most cases. Potentially. We have a, a limit on, they've set a limit on how much you can play. Um, and the tee sheet is also determined by like a points lottery here now, at least at, at my club, like you're, you're allotted X amount of points. You request your tee time. However close you get to your tee time or on it will cost you like more points. If you don't get a tee time at all, essentially you have all your points. And then the next time you want a tee time, you'll have more points than anybody. So you'll have top priority. So this is like fab. This is like fab for tea times. It is kind of like fab, but you don't, it's not fab in the sense of saying like, I'm giving all my points for Saturday at 8 a.m. Right, yeah, like fair enough. You don't get to guess how many you have to give. You just request it. But if you get it, it will cost you a big majority of your points. Fair enough. But you know what? I'm just so excited to golf. I don't care. The world can melt away for four and a half hours. I don't care. Your hands will melt away in two gloves. You know, you're going gonna, you're gonna to have like the, the most badass hand tan of all time. Uh, I, I, in the last year or so, I've switched over to the two-glove approach, and I have to say I will never go back. <laughs> well, I mean, he was inspired by his personal hero, Jeff, Tommy Two Gloves Ganey. No, got- no, Phil. <laughs> particularly in bad weather, Phil always This wears. isn't bad weather. It's like a hot, sunny day, and you're wearing two gloves. The only other guy who does that is Tommy Ganey. Also loves hookers. No, a lot of people are switching over to the two gloves. <laughs> they are not switching over to the two gloves. I, 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 and I like to wear like the, the, the weather gloves, too. I, I think they give you a better feel for, for the club. And I don't know. It makes you look cool, too. I don't know. That is uh, objectively untrue when it comes down to it. All I hope is that this new reinvigorated love of golf, I hope it doesn't get too big, Tim. Because we were talking about memberships for next year. And I don't want them to go up at that place where we were looking. I don't think they will. Not, I, I, as much as an invigoration of love for golf will memberships at private clubs yeah. i don't think you're gonna see i would that. like to say pat you're probably in the clear uh i would say golf private golf club membership as an industry is in trouble it's been for a couple years i think this will only make it worse i agree with that the well, amount of people that you know can get in them i'm you know as my uncle would call me like you know like uh, there's only how do you put this? There's only so many like kids of whose dads had wicked jobs like left to fill the clubs and they don't make money off people like me. <laughs> uh, like there's not a lot of young people that have that 
lick like that disposable money like there used to be in in the past right? well, spe- especially especially right now <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah you, you not, might get a good rate next what summer. jeff is trying to say is there's not as much old money anymore as, as when he grew up no i don't oh, when i grew up no i just mean like <laughs> the not everyone can I be an I, aristocrat i get it yeah i think i said it properly but now you're you making did. me you, you, you did i'm just this is a Jeff too rich situation. All right, well, yeah, Je- in Je- this case, it is. Uh, Je- Jeff is a real East Egg type. We got, we got nothing. Know. I, got I don't know. I get, I, I get I no sympathy laugh it. from Tim on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he laughs so hard. Uh, how, how, how is that not like something that makes you break down? Like you're the, like, <laughs> there's no more wheelhouse joke than that. <laughs> wow. Wow, <I> feel, <laughs> feeling left out on my own on this one. <laughs> I wonder how many people even anyway, people have read Gatsby, they get that. I well, I here's the weird part is I think I have I've like everyone has to read Gatsby in high school, don't they? No, yeah. not everyone. Most no, people. Think so. I mean, it was required in reading. Canada. In Canada I think it's probably. Yeah. I thought I thought yeah, it was required well, reading across the board. It should be, but I mean, God knows what's required reading these days. Well, I mean, I've also listened to it on audiobook too. When I used to walk to work, I was like, I haven't thought about The Great Gatsby in a while. I'll download the audiobook and listen to it on my way to work. That was so that was the last time I quote unquote read The Great Gatsby. It was like three years ago. Yeah, but now ago. there's a Leonardo DiCaprio version. Yeah, not a great version, by the way. Not a great movie. I looked forward to that movie so badly. Because I mean, I'm a big fan of Baz Luhrmann. I think what he does with cuts and pans, I think is really like revolutionary. But I did not particularly care for that film. What are your other favorite Baz Luhrmann movies? Uh, Romeo plus Juliet, for example, was one of my all-time favorites. I think that that, when you think about just the way that Shakespeare has been portrayed in the past, I think that is up there with his all-time greats. Yeah, well, the best Baz Luhrmann movie, far and away, is Moulin Rouge, which is the best. Moulin Rouge is excellent. Which is the best best version of what you're talking, like the hyper empty. It's basically a music video, like edit. That's what he gives his cuts. It hasn't really worked since. Moulin Rouge, though, is the thing for him. Eh, whatever. Like, I, I'm not as critical of him as, as I guess you were. I'm not, like, critical of it. It's just that style didn't, like, when he didn't really use it in the movie Australia, but that movie was just terrible. And, like, and uh, Great Gatsby was terrible. So, you know, it's been a bad look since getting his, uh, I don't think he got a Best Director nomination that year either. Like, it was. Mm, I, think, I think that's right. That was 2001. That was the year that. A Beautiful so- Mind one. Did Soderbergh? No, wasn't that two? Was that the Beautiful Mind year or was that the Gladiator year? No, Gladiator was 2000. So that would have been... Did Ron Howard win for A Beautiful Mind or was that Ang, uh, Lee, Ang Lee won for... No, that was the Brokeback Mountain no. year when Crash... No, I think, that, I think that Ron... I, I, I'm going off. I, should, I really should effort this. I think that Ron Howard won that, that Oscar. But, uh, let's see, 2001 Academy Awards. Let's see, Baz Luhrmann was not nominated for Best Director. There you have it. The year that he ended up, uh, no, in 2001. So, yeah, I guess Ron Howard would have won? He Feel did like win, yeah. He did He did win? Oh, and see, that's the year Ridley Scott didn't win, and he definitely should have for Black Hawk Down. Yeah, and he did not win the year before for Gladiator. Uh, Soderbergh won for Traffic, I want to say? Yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. So, uh, Ridley Scott should have won that year, too. Soderbergh uh, was nominated twice. Yeah, that like, was that was the thing. Soderbergh just had so Brockovich much... and Traffic, yeah. And really Scott what never was the other one? Aaron Brockovich and Traffic. Yeah, but it should have been Ridley Scott. I mean, I like Ridley Scott a lot, and I don't think he's gotten his his adequate due sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, you have Gladiator, you have Black Hawk Down. Those are probably two, two. Yeah, but then you have Aliens and Total and uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, like Blade Runner and Alien, Alien, not Aliens. Aliens is James Cameron. Uh, Alien. He Those, like, made the. He made that uh, the Apple that very famous Apple commercial too, if memory serves. Yeah, you don't win Oscars for that. You only win Cleos for directing commercials. <laughs> Remember when Don Draper and Peggy won a bunch of Cleos? Yes, I do. And he. What else did he make? Did he make The Martian? Because that's a fantastic movie. He, he did make The Martian. That's I true. loved that movie. Loved, loved, loved. Of all the space movies, other than Inception, but that's because... Or not Inception. In- Inception but, isn't a space movie. No, no. I didn't mean to say Inception. I meant to say uh, the, uh, the the Christopher Nolan one. Uh, With Sandra Bullock and... No, that's that's uh, Gravity. That's Quaron. Uh Interstellar. Interstellar is... A, a, uh, uh, no, apart from the other ones. But of the recent space movies, I love The Martian. Just, I absolutely adored it. You really like that last uh, Star Wars movie? That's a space movie. Oh yeah, that what what a, what a fantastic film that was. Let's see, what else did really Scott do? Thelma and Louise. He did Prometheus, which I really liked, which you didn't. But that was one of the worst movies of the last ten years, and I am not joking when I say that. That movie was such trash. I in, really enjoyed it. Um, also, he did American Gangster with Russell Crowe and Denzel. Yeah, which was uh, eh, it was all right. It was a fun watch in theaters. I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Anyway, he hasn't won an Academy Award. He probably should have won an Academy Award by now. He's a really good director. I'm gonna say he's pr- at this point in time. He's probably not gonna win. It. I think he's like 85. <laughs> well, I mean, Clint's still out there pumping out movies at his age. <laughs> Your one take, Clint. <laughs> well, he wasn't. He just nominated for an Academy Award last year for Best Director. No, or two years ago. Like it wasn't that long ago. When was the last time that he, I think the last time he got a directing nominee, maybe it was probably for that. Uh, Gran Torino? No, he, he, no, I, I, no. He, got, he got acting for Gran Torino, didn't he? Like a nomination? I think so. Uh, the one with Bradley Cooper, American Sniper. Was that the last one? He wasn't nominated for Richard Jewell? No, Rich, Richard Jewell's not good, by the way. <laughs> like, it's, a really Sully? Ba- it's a really bad movie. Sully? Sully? Sully's also like not a good movie. Yeah, but he's not, he's in the business of making effective movies, not like like beautiful films if you know what i mean yeah he's in the he's in the business of efficiency like you know the man's like 900 years old and he's directed one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen movies since 2000 <laughs> and many, many of them are good no most of them aren't good that's the that's the thing with clint eastwood's entire career when you go back and look at it you remember the really good ones you don't remember the uh, like random shit that he does Oh, I see. I do like the the, the fifteen seventy to Paris, for example, stuff like that. I liked those movies. All right, uh, I like Clint Eastwood stuff, though. By and large, I'm not as critical as you are. I think he's actually a pretty good filmmaker. He's he's a he's a very quality filmmaker, and he has high highs. But he's like uh, he's a lot. He's not like Woody Allen when it comes to it. But in terms of like bulk production, like he just has so many misses that you forget about them. Yeah, fair. I, I just think he also makes his movies for the masses too. He's he's not consumed with sort of like auteur. Uh, ideas of how the perfect picture ought to be made no he's not but he very rarely makes like incredibly popular movies that that's again like he made yeah like american sniper was like a standout hit and no one saw that coming that's true and the back-to-back movies that he made about world war ii which no which no one saw 
I think the flags of our fathers people saw. I don't know the letters from Iwo Jima people saw. People did not see letters from Iwo Jima. That did very poorly. No, I, I agree. Time. I don't think they did see that, but I think they did see flags of our fathers. Flags of our fathers. I am actually curious. I don't think that they did, but I could be misremembering that. I actually liked Letters from Iwo Jima is actually a really good movie. It's that, the better of the two. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Uh, $65 million it made. All right. It was good so. for like 70th that year. Yeah, I bet I, I bet you it was run on a shoestring budget, and he came in under budget too. Maybe, like, it, put it this way: it didn't make as much money as Nicolas Cage's Wind Talkers, directed by John Woo. Lord, so, we've gotten sidetracked here again. By yeah, me. so uh, I, let's talk about just before any Jeff, you mentioned something about the NHL. I'm curious to hear what this is. Are they canceling it forever? Because I'm good. Oh, Jeff left. Okay. Um, I'm more upset they've canceled the Hockey World Cup this year. No, How they didn't cancel it. Make it. Although you would love if they did cancel it. Um, no, there's just been a lot of talk that even if they're still in season or in a playoff, they're going to run their draft as is um, with like an order that they've predetermined, but it won't be a full lottery. Or if they cancel the season, they're going to have a draft that won't include a lottery and people are saying that's not fair. And I found that humorous because like, there's clearly teams that suck that should just get the top picks, but by and large, they just love seeing, they were just uh, like drafts, just get attention. Even if there's no games happening. So you just run them unless you want to be the loser MLB that turns their 40 round draft into a five round draft and probably turns kids off the sport feel like a lot of people have just been turned a lot of kids have been turned off of baseball just in general yeah i i can't um uh, there's no disputing that but if you make yeah, if it only they could paid. Come, if only the teams could like switch to logos with cool maple leaf tattoos on their arms and they could really capture kids attention i like that t-bird you're trying to like get real sidetracked here but that joke jay's logo i don't know i didn't hate it like most i don't think it's like should be in their standard but that's all. Like, do you think that we see the NHL come back? Like, I, I think that the NBA has so much more to lose by not coming back, like the revenue. But, like, what the hell is hockey coming back for? They already lose money. The NHL actually might have the most, is probably the most screwed. It's the one that's the most um, gate-driven. It's the one where the player salaries are directly tied to league revenues. Uh, it might be the one that actually has the most incentive to return, but to yeah, your point, no, Pat, but but it if should it, focus on next year and starting a normal season. If they're so gate driven versus the other sports, they're not going to have fans. So what's the point? Yeah, I guess I I, I listen. I, I I don't disagree. I'm really curious to see how the NHL and MLB decide to play this thing out. At listen, least we're we're lucky. We're lucky as football fans that even if football gets like delayed a month, we're just going to have the Super Bowl at the end of February. Like the season, we're going to get our 16-game NFL season. I'm pretty freaking confident about that. Yeah, well, listen, the Bruins and the Celtics, he said real chances to win the championship in both leagues. So I, I don't mind if they just cancel these seasons and start fresh whenever they have a chance. Well, to that point, you were talking about will the champions be be tarnished and whatnot and I know Shaq made some public comments saying they should cancel the season. No one wants like this false title that will be asterisked. And there's a nice piece by Arash Marchese in the LA Times saying there's no way. And I, this goes back to my Dodgers Yankees thing. Like if the Lakers win, no one's going to asterisk it. 
but there's no way like what these teams will have to overcome to win the title. You could argue um, is worth asterisk it in a positive way, like in how great that team is. Like he used the Lakers as an example. If they did overcome this and won a title, a year of a pandemic, a year with like the tragic passing of, of Kobe midseason, how could you put an asterisk beside that? How would that feel like that wasn't deserved? Right? Because it's an opportunity to take a whack at LeBron, which a lot of people like to do. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.